Our scripture reading this morning is found in Luke's Gospel, starting at chapter 6 and starting at verse 20. And Jesus lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy and behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you, Anne. Thank you, Alan, uh, for the introduction. Uh, it's so good to be back with you guys here today. So glad to be here w- with this church family. Um, as Alan said, we, uh, our family has been uh, in the middle of a move right now. We've uh, just moved to uh, West Belfast uh, about three weeks ago. Um, and so super, super excited. I know many of you have been praying for that specifically. Uh, we had looked at something like 60 or 70 places over the last year. We had applied. Uh, this was the 37th house that we applied for. Um, but in the midst of all that, uh, this is exactly where we're supposed to be. We're, we're in the heart of Andytown um, and the street that we're on. When we first started looking for houses, I remember going down the street and saying, God, I really want to live here. Um, I didn't know what I was doing at the time, apparently, but that, that ended up being a year of a wait as God heard and answered that prayer. Um, but just super excited to be over there. And God, even in the midst of all this transition and stuff that's happening with us, there's been cool things that have been happening. Um, we've had two people, uh, two women who've uh, come to faith in Jesus in, in West Belfast over the last few weeks, uh, about two months, uh, we've had two people. So we're just so excited about that. Uh, in the meantime, what we're doing, we're, we're kind of starting a Bible study over there in our home. Um, and so they're, they're going to be attending that along with s- several members of our team that are part of Village who are we're all coming together and doing a weekly Bible study. We're going to go through the book of John and just kind of, you know, bring, bring that before everyone and, and let Jesus uh, just speak and encourage them. And, and uh, so just, yeah, just thank you for praying for our family. We, we appreciate it so much, but also just continue to pray for us um, in the weeks and months ahead, especially for these new believers. Um, uh, just pray that they would continue to uh, trust in the Lord and continue to seek uh, his face. So, uh, you know, there, there is something about living in a, a different place, living in a new place, and maybe some of you can kind of relate to that. Uh, no, in, in our church family in South, there's a lot of uh, people that are missionary kids who, who grew up living in, a, in another place, and they've, they've ended up coming to village. We also have, uh, and maybe you can also relate, maybe you went to college, or you went to uni somewhere, and you went off to school, maybe you went to London or somewhere in Europe to, to study. Um, but when you go to a new place to live, 
there is uh, something you'll notice, like people have different cultures and different understandings and different norms, different values. And so you probably feel this kind of this weird disconnect when you go and visit these places and you live there because you're learning what do these people value? What do these people place a premium? And it can, you can even see this in different neighborhoods. You go to different neighborhoods and you know that this neighborhood kind of holds, you know, they really value this one thing. And so, um, at, for example, with, with us, when we moved uh, here, this was pretty jarring for us to, to move from the States uh, to, to Northern Ireland. It was definitely a different move for us. Um, and so there are a lot of things that we hold differently, but there are a lot of things that we hold in common. Um, in comparison to the States, you know, we have a lot of the sim- similar food, similar, uh, similar uh, language for the most part, uh, similar values, sim- similar uh, movies and, and, and sports and, and different things like that. Um, we, we're, we, we vote for our elected officials. We don't just, you know, follow a dictator. Um, we, we are pretty capitalistic. We, we both have kind of similar economies in that regard. And so you have these, these kind of similarities, but you also have these differences that kind of pop up, right? Um, in the States, you don't know it because you're immersed in the culture, but in the States, it is just completely normal for almost every single person to be a workaholic. It just, it, that's, that's the norm, right? You just don't know it. And it might be because of greed. It might be because of just the expectations of the culture, but that's completely normal. I worked in a solicitor's office there in New Orleans uh, for about a decade. And during that period of time, it was completely normal for me to just work through my lunch. Like that was just a normal practice. Didn't think anything that that was odd in any way. And so oftentimes it would be normal for me to work a 50 hour, 55 hour work week, not even think anything of it. And then on top of that, I was working with the church, usually about 15 to 20 hours a week with the church as well. You just stay busy and you just continue to do this. And so here, that's not normal, right? That's just that, what are you doing? You're gonna burn yourself out. You've lost your mind. Like, why are you, why are you doing this? That's just not something that you would do. But you guys too, let, let's be honest, you guys have some weird things too, right? And so I, I try to think of the most, how can I be the, how can I say something that is the least offensive thing here today? <laughs> because you definitely outnumber me today. Uh, so I was thinking, you know, one thing that you guys do that I just have never been able to understand is trying to get off the phone with you. Um, it literally takes about six minutes to get off the phone with you. There's so many bye-byes, right? Um, so you, you just have these different, different things that exist in your cultures. And so there's different things that you have to understand with that. Um, you could say that the kingdoms, the, the countries are different between the UK and the US or Ireland and the US. And even if you look into the, the, if you just zoom into Belfast, you'll see that there's these different kingdoms that kind of exist even within our own city. You have uh, union, uh, you, you know, unionism and, and nationalism that kind of exist. These are the two competing kingdoms that you could say exist in our city. And as we dive into our scripture this morning, this is what Jesus is going to do. And I want us to note this from the very beginning, that Jesus is ushering in a new kingdom, and he has ushered in a new kingdom. And this kingdom is going to look dramatically, drastically different than any other kingdom of the world. It's going to seem completely backwards. It's going to seem completely upside down. Because there is this belief that we all just naturally hold to. The belief is that there are many, many different kingdoms that exist in this world, different, different views, different kingdoms that exist in the world. But the truth that Jesus is going to outline here, and I think we have a slide here, uh, that Jesus outlines that there are actually only two kingdoms. 
There's the kingdom of this world and that there's the kingdom of God. And so that's, that's what we're going to be looking at today as we, as we dive into this passage. Jesus is going to give us two stark differences, that there is a kingdom of heaven and that there is a kingdom of God. And oftentimes when we look at all the different kingdoms that exist in our world, they're all just different offshoots of the same kingdom of this world. So even, even, even countries that are at odds with one another, Ukraine and Russia, or in the States, you have Republicans and Democrats. Here you have the Nationalists and the Unionists. You can have all these different kingdoms. And actually what Jesus is going to say here is that these kingdoms that you guys just spend all of your time chasing after, they're just all a part of the same kingdom. You could just chunk them all into the kingdom of this world. My kingdom is going to be completely and radically different. And so we have to have this foundational understanding as we're coming to this today because the kingdom that Jesus is bringing in and that he is creating and has created is completely different. It has completely different values, it has different expectations, it has different norms and desires from that of the kingdom of this world. And so as we're looking here today in Luke chapter 6, this portion of scripture that we're looking in you're going to see that there's two sections. You have one that's called the Beatitudes, which is just a Latin word, which means uh, to bless. Um, and so you have the blessings, the Beatitudes, and you have the woes. And so this sermon that Jesus here is delivering is called the Sermon on the Plain. And there are a lot of similarities between uh, this passage in, in Luke chapter 6 and Matthew 5, which is called the Sermon on the Mount. In Luke chapter uh, 6 here, you have four beatitudes. And in Matthew uh, 5, you have nine beatitudes. And so there's basically kind of two systems of thought here. The first one is that uh, Jesus preached this sermon and Matthew was there. He was present and he was careful to record everything. And Luke, um, who's, who's a historian, he's a researcher. He basically went to his source and they wrote down what they could remember from that sermon. And that's basically what happened. There's another kind of school of thought that these were actually multiple sermons that Jesus preached. This was actually a different kind of scenario. I kind of hold to this kind of thing, that there are different sermons that Jesus preached. Um, and so you, and that's not uncommon. If you, if you, as, as a pastor, you, pastors have a tendency to repeat sermons from time to time, especially in their, if they're in a different group or a different audience. But there's another reason that we need to hold to this. And that is if Jesus feels that it is such a need to repeat a similar sermon over and over again, it's probably because we need to listen to these words with even more attention. We need to kind of focus our attention on that uh, because we, are, we, are, uh, we grow by repetition. We, we, we grow out of, out of acts of habit. And so that is something I believe Jesus is wanting us to listen to today. Now, if you're wanting uh, today, we're, we're, again, we're going to go through the entire Beatitudes basically in one sermon here today. If you're wanting to dive deeper, um, Village did a great sermon series, uh, I don't know, like three, four years ago. I think that was when Lucas was here uh, on the Beatitudes. And so go back, look online on that, and you can get a little bit more in-depth study if you'd like to do that. But let's look here today, um, again, going back to verses 20 through 24. We're going to look at the, the blessed, blessed stars. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. 
Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. So Jesus is saying, for, for those who are committed to this kingdom that I'm ushering in, these are the blessings that you will experience but then Jesus gives us four woes. We see that in verses 24 through 26. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. And woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Now you'll notice here that for every blessed ours in, in the beginning section there, there is a mirroring woe for the opposite group that's present that, that needs to hear this. So in verse 20, you have, blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. But in verse 24, it says, but woe to you who are rich for you have received your consolation. You see that there's this mirroring dynamic at play. You see this for all of them. For the second one, you have, blessed are you who are hungry now for you will be satisfied. And then it says, woe to you who are full now for you shall be hungry. The third is, blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. And woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. And then the last one, the last blessing and woe. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you and spurn your name as evil. And then the woe. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. So I think it's helpful as we're going through this, this scripture today to see it through that lens. Uh, First, because it's easier to teach from, uh, let's be honest, but also because it just helps us to see those opposing dynamics, the different kind of kingdoms at play that Jesus is presenting here. Um, and so let's look at that first one again. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God, but woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. And so as we're going through these today, I think it's just helpful for us to, let's compare the different kingdoms. What are the norms of the kingdom of heaven? And what are the norms of the kingdom uh, of earth? What are these norms? And so for Jesus, as he's going through here, he's going to say that in the beginning, that blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God, but woe to you who are rich. And so the norm for the kingdom of this earth is power, I'm going to say, is power. Because money equals power. Um, you, you're aware of that. Like money gives you opportunities, gives you abilities that you normally wouldn't have. For example, if, if you're sick here today and you need to go to see the doctor, luckily we live with the NHS available to us. Now you may wait, you know, nine months to be able to see that doctor, but you still have that option before you. But if you've got a little, po little bit of pocket change, right, and you can be able to go and use your money, you can use that and use the wealth that you have to go, go a private route, right? That's the way you can, you can take that. So money is, gives you this ability to do things that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. And so Jesus is saying that the kingdom of this earth, their norm, their desires, their, their, their attribute that could be attributed to them is power, and what about the kingdom of God? I'm going to say that the kingdom of God, the attribute for that is weakness. That that is the norm of God's Christ's kingdom. Weakness. And so how do, we, how do you deal with this as, as well? Because you, you see that Jesus says, but woe to you who are rich. 
Um, and then blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. It sounds almost like Jesus is saying, if you are poor, congratulations, you're part of the kingdom. And if you're rich, congratulations, you're not. Um, you're part of the other kingdom. And so what is Jesus saying here? Is he saying that people that are wealthy are not going to heaven or, or people that, I can give you a very clear and resounding maybe. <laughs> because in scripture, let's be honest, the rich do have a tendency to be excluded from the kingdom of God. It is an uphill battle. In fact, Jesus said this in, in Luke chapter 18. We're going to get to this at some point. He says, indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter what? The kingdom of God. But we do see a handful of rich people from the scriptures that do, uh, as far as we know, are a part of the kingdom of heaven. You see Lydia, who is a, who's a wealthy merchant. You see Joseph of Arimathea. You see Nicodemus. You see these people who are, who are wealthy, who are, by best we can understand, are part of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, but wealth, let's be honest, wealth is a feeling. You know, you may not feel rich here today. You, I don't really feel rich here today. But um, I, I did a little research here online. So 100%, you know it's accurate because everything online is true. Um, and that is this, that if you make 20,000 pounds a year, 20,000 pounds a year, you are in the top 5% of earners in the entire world. Top five. If you make 40,000 pounds a year, you're in the top 1% of earners in the entire world. Now, you may not feel rich here today, but it doesn't matter what your feelings are. Reality is that more, most of us in this room are doing pretty okay. And if you are rich-ish, um, we should pay attention to these words that Jesus has here because Jesus says that woe to you who are rich because you've received your consolation. We need to pay attention. This should hopefully sober us up to the reality that we need to be aware of what Christ is saying here. We need to see uh, Jesus' kingdom at work. Now, here's the thing. Um, one of the things that wealth does is it, it pushes us towards self-reliance. You can understand that, right? Wealth gives us this feeling that uh, man, I've, I can use this to handle this situation. Now, people that are part of, uh, who are impoverished, who are destitute, who are struggling, those are the people who are constantly before God saying, God, I need your help. I don't know how I'm gonna overcome this. I don't know how I'm gonna deal with this situation. They're constantly going before God in their prayer saying, Jesus, I need you, I need you, I need you. They're constantly at the foot of Christ's feet, begging for his mercy, begging for his health, for, his, for their help in him. And Jesus says, woe to you who are rich, for you've received your consolation. Now, what, what, is, what does Jesus mean here when he says your consolation? Now, um, I'll try to paint this picture. So uh, a couple weeks ago, we, we got our new place. The boys needed new mattresses for their room. All right, so uh, we go to a mattress factory, mattress store, um, go and we find some cheap mattresses that, yeah, that, that works for them. And so uh, we go, we say, we want two of these. Lady says, great, give me your money. And so uh, we, we end up purchasing it and she looked in the back, she's like, oh, just realized we don't have these mattresses here um, available, but we do have another store. They, they have some mattresses. Are you okay to go get them? So yeah, that's fine. So what, she, what did she do? She gave me a receipt that uh, she stamped and signed it and said, this has been paid in full. She said, just take this to the other store. They're gonna get you your mattresses. 
So we went, we went to the other store, we went and showed them the receipt, paid in full, and they said, great, here's your mattresses, and that was that. I, I can't expect to go back to them and say, hey, I want some more mattresses. Um, or they can't expect me to go there and say, we need more money. Like, we, we have completed all that's going to happen there. There's, there's going to be no more transactions that take place. So when Jesus is saying, you've received your consolation, Jesus is saying, you're getting all you're going to get. You're not going to get anything else. Because the poor, as we learn from other parts in the Gospels, that we are, the poor, the, the people who are focused on the kingdom of God, they're laying up treasure in heaven. They're not focused on the here and now. They're not focused on the immediate but for the rich, that is their focus. And so that is their consolation. That's all that they're going to receive. And so as we continue on, you know, if you're struggling here today and you are, you would say you're poor, you're hopeless, man, just continue to lean on Jesus. Just continue to trust in him. Because who does Jesus say woe to? He says woe to the rich. Um, the people really that are hopeless are the people that are trusting and self-reliant on their own ability, on their own money. Woe to them, Jesus is saying. Uh, the people who are hopeless are the ones who take advantage of, the, of, of other people. Woe to them, Jesus says. Let it not be said of us here today. Now let us go to the next kind of beatitude and, and, and woe here. You have blessed are you who are hungry now. For you shall be satisfied, and woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Now this is, I believe, bigger than just having a meal or not. This is what Jesus is saying, that in the kingdom of this earth, it is marked, the norm of the kingdom of earth is comfort. It's relaxation, taking it easy. In the kingdom of God, the, the, the opposite kind of attribute for it is discomfort. That is the norm of the kingdom of God. And that is the normal life of the Christian. It's actually one of, of discomfort. Because if we're living a life of comfort and ease, perhaps we haven't really fully taken the, the words and the teachings of Jesus to heart. Because if we are living lives of comfort, we won't be sharing the gospel. We won't be starting churches. We won't be caring for the poor. We won't be caring for the sick. We won't be housing refugees. We're not going to be generous with our money. We're not going to fight injustice. Those are all discomforting things. Those are all things that make us feel uncomfortable. Uh, G.K. Chesterton was a uh, kind of a theologian philosopher guy uh, from about a century ago. And he said this, that Jesus promised his disciples three things. That they would be completely fearless. That they would be absurdly happy and that they would be in constant trouble. Uh, that is the life of the Christian, is that we're, we're oftentimes constantly at trouble. Um, Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus is saying these words. And so in, uh, a couple months ago, uh, Alan mentioned that I'd preached at Advent time. And when we preached through that, uh, Mary's song of the Magnificat, um, in Luke 1, she sang this. She said that he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lift, lifted up the humble. And he has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. The life, friends, of a Christian, the, the, the life of someone who is truly pursuing after the kingdom of God will face discomfort. We shouldn't run away from that. In the third beatitude, it says, blessed are you who, are, uh, who weep now, for you shall laugh. And woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. 
So again, these competing kingdoms, the kingdom of earth marked by power and comfort. The kingdom of earth is also marked by success. And the kingdom of God is marked by grief. It's marked by suffering. Now, when Jesus uh, is giving us these words here, uh, when Jesus uses that word laugh, uh, he's, he's not like anti-humor, like he's not anti-having a good time. Um, and in fact, we, we know from the book of Ecclesiastes that there is a time to weep and that there is a time to laugh, that there is a time to mourn and that there's a time to dance. So I don't think it's like an assault on humor. When Jesus is using the word laugh here, what he is saying is, um, think of like the school playground, the play parks, and the kids are out there and one of the kids just scores a goal. And he is going to let the other team know how bad they are in that moment, right? Nah, nah, yo guys, you're worst. And so it's just, it's just kind of the scoffing. It's this gloating that is taking place. It's this, ha ha, I'm here. You're not, I made it. You didn't. Think of a, we have an election coming up. I'm sure that there will be one politician who is going to say, nah, 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 you know, like that kind of thing that's going to happen after the election because they feel so good that they have finally overcome their adversary in the other party. But Jesus is stating here, man, if you're living the high life now, if you're living uh, with, with all of this kind of this gloating arrogance, man, you are going to weep. But if you're weeping now, you get it. If you're suffering now, you get it. Because let's, let's just be honest with ourselves. Let's just do an inventory. Let's look at the kingdom of earth. Like really look at it. How is the kingdom of earth doing on a grand scale? Because what it does, it really promises. Man, if you do all of these things, if you seek after power and comfort and success, you're going to enjoy your life. But man, the kingdom of earth, it under delivers. What is it like? Look at, just do an inventory here, guys. So you have famine, you have war, you have racism, you have sectarianism, you have sexual violence. You have brother against brother, mother against daughter. You have earthquakes. You have, you could go on forever. The kingdom of earth is not really that great, guys. Let's just be honest, right? It's not really doing that great. And yet we hold to this. This is the norm. We've got to chase after this. We've got to keep doing this because this, this is the norm. This is the way of this world. But really what we should be doing, we should actually be grieving over the state of the world. We should actually be um, going to the, to the world in our prayers and noticing how, how this kingdom of this world is destroying itself, how it's ravaging itself, how it is, uh, you know, our neighborhoods, our city, our country, our world. There's so much adversity. There's so much anger. There's so much violence. May we, maybe, may, I think that just alone in itself should make us, force us, man, maybe the kingdom of heaven, maybe, maybe it is something we should consider. And then you get to the last kind of the blessing and woe here today. And Jesus said, blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and when they revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the son of man. He says, rejoice in that day, leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. Verse 26, but woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. The kingdom of this earth is marked by popularity. It, it's, it's marked by recognition. But the kingdom of God is marked by exclusion. 
It's marked by being reviled and spurned. That's the mark of the kingdom of God. Now, there's, there's tons of people who are hated and excluded and reviled because they're jerks. <laughs> That's not what Jesus is saying here. What is it, what's the clarifying statement? On account of the son of man. You're actually blessed because of your nearness to Jesus. You know, when you prophetically proclaim truth in the midst of a situation and are rejected for it, you're blessed. But Jesus even goes further. What does he say? He says, rejoice and leap for joy. But what does Jesus say here to the woe? He says, woe to you when all men speak well of you. Now, now think about that for a moment. What would you need to do for everyone to speak well of you? There's really only one way that you can do that, and that is to be constantly compromising. Because if you have a big room of people and everyone likes you, that means you're constantly, you know, basically adjusting who you are for that person. You're, you're basically in that moment, you're constantly changing. You're kind of like, how uh, many of you have seen Encanto? The little, uh, little boy who is a... Um, Shape shifter, got to be very careful with that word. Shape shifter, who's Camillo, I think is his name. He's constantly changing who he is. Like, that's who you are. Like, that's who you have to be for everyone to constantly like you. And that is marked because you don't really have necessarily a fear of God. You have a fear of man. You're constantly worried about what other people are going to think of you. You constantly have to be changing to the person for everyone to like you. And to drive this point home even further, who does Jesus compare these people to? The false prophets. And who does Jesus compare the ones who are excluded and rejected and hated? The true prophets. The true prophets are the ones who are excluded and rejected and hated by the crowds and by the people, but they're loved by God. We really truly need to examine our hearts here today. Um, there's nothing wrong necessarily with popularity. There's nothing uh, wrong with having influence in people's life. But does it drive us in a way that is unhealthy in our hearts? And so you see, again, these, these competing kingdoms. Let's go back to it one more time. You have on the kingdom of this earth, you have power and comfort and success and popularity. And the kingdom of God is marked by weakness and discomfort and grief and exclusion. Now, here's the thing. You can live uh, to serve Jesus and be incredibly influenced by the other kingdom. I don't think we fully grasp how much the other kingdom, the kingdom of this world, influences our daily decision-making, how it influences. Because you can follow Jesus, you can be in an MC, you can treat people with kindness, you can do whatever... Uh, whatever you're wanting to do in, in that way, you can be completely saturated in that uh, kind of that church environment and still be so deceived and be a, a worthless citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Um, because our, our, first, our first tendency, our natural tendency is to seek out the way of this world. That's our natural desire. We, we naturally want to be well-liked and to be in control and be surrounded by success and be su surrounded by comfort. That's just the, the norm for us. 
But as we grow and walk with God and we're seeking his kingdom, when we pray that prayer, Lord, we pray for your kingdom to come to earth. Like we're actually praying for, for Jesus to, to break in the, the, the natural tendencies that exist in our own hearts. We're saying, we're not just saying for God to do cool things and for people to get saved and for churches to grow. We're saying, God, do, do a revelation in my heart. Let my heart not be led by success and comfort, but let my heart be molded by you and your kingdom. Let it be shaped by that. We gotta do a heart check. Um, let's say that there's a, um, a business and that there's, there's two women who, uh, who are Christians who, who work in this, this, uh, this, who are employed by this company and something has happened a situation has arisen that has, is going to cause, cause great problems in not only their company, uh, but in their lives as well. And they've basically come to terms with, if they tell the truth on the situation, they more than likely will end up being terminated from their positions. They're going to end up losing their jobs. But if they lie and they kind of minimize what actually happened, there's a great opportunity there that they might be able to save their necks be able to keep their jobs and to remain and, and keep their, their, uh, the comforts of their income, the success that they're finding in their position at work and the power that comes uh, with that role in their office. And so they spend some time. The first woman, she decides that she is going to, she's gonna lie. She's gonna do what she can to save her job. The other woman tells the truth and truly it happens. She loses her job from telling the truth. Now, we must see, like, it's just a small lie. That's not really that big. But it's the, the impact of her living for the kingdom because she, the woman who tells the truth, is truly seeing things from the lens of the gospel, from the lens of Jesus. Because her life is, like, she's fine if, if people don't necessarily agree with her on that situation. She's, her, her, her reliance is not on her income, her, reliance is, her, her life is not built and molded by how others and her, how her coworkers see her. She would rather be honest and be true to herself and, and, and that she's trying to pursue after Jesus and do the right thing, even if bad things come along with that. And we, that's just a normal, like every day, like you have dozens of these situations happen every single day in your life. And we, we almost need to pre-decide, are we going to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven? Are we going to pursue after what Jesus wants? Or are we not? Are we, going to be, are we just going to be content to be a part of the kingdom of this world? We, we mustn't be deceived in this way. Now, there is one, you know, if you're just looking at this list, I mean, let's look at it with me today. Which one looks more fun? <laughs> Which one looks more joyful? Is it the side that's weakness and discomfort and grief and exclusion? That doesn't sound much fun, right? That sounds like a lame time. I don't want to be a part of that, right? Everyone wants to kind of be on this side, on the kingdom of earth. But there's one more difference that we must understand here today. And that is that the kingdom of this earth is completely built on the here and the now and on the immediate. But the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus is marked by an eternal perspective. That is the only way, friends, that we will be able to uh, seek after the kingdom of God. It's through the lens of an eternal perspective. 
Now, I'm, I'm going to do a visual here today. We'll see how it goes. This could go really badly, uh, but we'll see how it goes. And I'm going to get Alan to, yeah, yeah, come on up. Uh, so can you get like over here and then we're going to get this here and just kind of just walk, just walk. There you go. We'll see how this goes. This could go really bad, but we'll see. Okay. All right. Now, this is a great illustration, right? Okay. Just, just say it is. Just go ahead and get that mindset. Man, this is a really good illustration. Okay. So, this is, this is going to represent time, okay? And this is a bad illustration already because eternity, this, is, this has a beginning and this has an end. So, it's not really a good illustration to start from, but we're going to go with it, all right? So, this is time. This is eternity. This is the very beginning of, of the earth being created, all that. And, and then you just keep going. That goes, you know, forever and ever. Yeah, just, keep, just go in the parking lot. Yeah, just go in the, go in the street. And then, yeah, you're good, man. And so, this is now... There's a mark. I don't have any idea where the mark is, but there's a mark somewhere on this, this string. And that represents where you're at right now. This is your life. This is your life. This little mark, wherever it is, that is your life. In the big scheme of eternity, we are so focused on this little bitty tiny line, this little bitty tiny, tiny blip of our lives and even if you look at that, that, if that one little line is a mark of your life, you'd have to get a microscope to just to see what you're dealing with here in 2022. It would be, you'd have to really get a microscope out to see this. Now, the only way that we're going to be able to face weakness and discomfort and grief and suffering is only through the lens of eternity. Because if, we're, if we only focus, if this is our life and that is our focus, Man, go after power, comfort, success, and recognition and popularity. That, if that is all there is to us, you can come back in, Alan, if you want to. You can hang out there, whatever you want to do. <laughs> and so if that is our life, and that is all we're going to focus on, man, we are going to have a, if that is all we're going to focus on, man, do it. But if, if Jesus' words are true and eternity is a really long time, like that should be our focus. That should be what we are seeking after. And that is really the only way, that is the, the secret sauce. That's the only way we're gonna be able to endure what we're going through. That's the only way that we're gonna be able to overcome is through understanding what Christ has done. Um, as we look at what the apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, he says this, so we do not lose heart, friends, though our outer self is wasting away, so as we're facing weakness and discomfort and exclusion, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction, again, this, this weakness that you're going through is a light momentary affliction. This discomfort and grief that you're going through is a, is a, is a, a light momentary affliction. It's actually preparing you for a, an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are, that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Again, if, if this is it, and this is, this is your life, this little bitty blip, and that's it, go after those things. Go after success and comfort, because that's all that's really going to matter. That is your consolation, as Jesus says. But if eternity is real, <laughs> if Jesus' words are true, Seek after his kingdom because these momentary afflictions that we're going through, these things that we're experiencing are preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. As we kind of conclude this morning, um, 
you know, there was a, uh, so you can't tell it, uh, but I joined a gym recently. Um, and so uh, um, they have a pool at the gym and uh, it's really nice. And so I uh, took the boys last week to the pool to go swim. And on the other end, on the deep side of the pool, uh, they had uh, adults who were learning how to swim for the first time. Now, if you ever want to be entertained, you're looking to, 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 um, to just, you're, you have a few, few moments of time and you want to see some, something fun, watch some people try to learn how to swim for the first time. Highly entertaining. Um, sorry, guys. And so you had, these, uh, these, you had the instructor who was in the pool. She was kind of holding on to the side of the pool. And then you had all of these people who were learning how to swim. And they decided that, you know, they're all ready. They're all lined up there. And the, the instructor is giving them very clear instructions. Okay, this is what I want you to do, guys. I want you to hold your nose. I want you to take a deep breath. I want you to jump in the pool. And when you jump in, you're gonna, your, your feet are going to land on the bottom. And I want you to kind of propel yourself up out of the water and, and find the side of the pool. Just do that. So they're teaching them life skills, right? So they don't, you know, harm themselves in the pool. And so went forward. The first, the first lady did great. The second guy did awesome. The third person though, third, I feel so sorry for this person. This person was an emotional wreck. There was some kind of trauma that existed in her, in her early years of swimming, right? She did not, she was not excited to do this. And so the lady was so patient. The instructor was so patient. And this happened for about five or six minutes where the lady was just giving her all the instructions, just trying to calm her down like this. You can do this. You, you, you can do this. I'm going to be right here beside you. I'm, you, know, you fall in, you're, you're struggling. I'm right here. I'm going to, I'm going to save you. You'll be all right. And the lady finally, the lady was kind of getting aggravated at this point, And she just said, do you trust me? And the woman who was learning to swim, no! <laughs> Jesus, Jesus went ahead. <laughs> this is a horrible, uh, probably a caveat, but Jesus is in the pool. Jesus is, is he, he went ahead and did, he, he left the comforts of heaven. He left the, the, the comfort, the security, the power, the recognition that he held in heaven. He, he came to earth in all humility, in weakness and grief and suffering and showed us the way. And he's saying, do you trust me? You trust me. Jump in. I'm right here. I went before you. I did all this, but I'm more than a good example. I am the only way that you can live this out. Because the kingdom of the world, it is marked by all of these things, but they're not my way. But if you do these things, you get to experience what the kingdom of, of this world is promising. You get to experience true security in me. You get to experience true comfort in me. You get to experience true power in me, true to the riches of heaven in me. You get to be a, a co-heir to the inheritance of heaven. Like the things that this earth are promising, they can't deliver on. But Jesus, through his work on the cross, he promises a better way. He's in the pool with us. He's saying, do you trust me? Let us pray.